Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. We've been in a series, a sermon series on the promises of God, but today we're going to take a little breather, a little break from that, but I believe that it's still going to be a word in season. In November on the, actually it was Remembrance Day, on November 11th we had one of my new good friends, Vanith, uh, come and bring the word, and if you were here, you might remember it was called The Place of Prayer. And it was a message for our church and for me personally that uh, was really a timely word and in season for us. And then we acted on that word. And uh, we had a prayer meeting the following week. And we've been doing them ever since called Encounter Nights. But uh, this morning, I just want to extend a warm Western welcome to Vanith. He's going to come and bring the word this morning. So would you welcome him? And uh, we appreciate, as a church, and I appreciate his heart for the Lord, for his family, his wife and kids are here as well. And um, I appreciate your humility always. And uh, the coffees, we get to chat and to, to just kind of let iron sharpen iron. And it's been a blessing to me personally. And so we're so grateful that you've come to bring the word. So here you go, brother. As always, I'm extremely grateful to God for yet another opportunity to share with you from God's Word. Uh, I'm also thankful to the pastor for graciously giving me another chance to share from God's Word. Um, Shall we look to God in prayer? Will this come up? Let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, wanting, Lord, to have an encounter with you, Lord. What can I say? What can I do, Lord, to touch lives, to transform lives, oh God? Lord, it is only you who can do that. And so, Lord, we totally Lord, throw ourselves at your mercy, at your grace, O God. And we ask you that you will, Lord, move in our midst, O God. Lord, we pray that you will open our eyes, O God, and our ears, O God. Our hearts, O God, will be receptive and our, our wills will submit to your word, O God. Please help us. Lord, you know every life here. You know every everyone here, O oh God. There is nothing or no one who is hidden from you, O oh Lord. I pray that your word will come forth in clarity, in power, O oh God. And also it will come to each one of us very, very personally, O oh God. That we will all go back, Lord, recognizing God has spoken. And God has spoken clearly. God has spoken personally. Lord, let that be our experience by the end of this service. Lord, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 to 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. This is what the word of the Lord says. All scripture is God-breathed 
and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This morning, I'm going to share with you, and I've titled my message as the necessity of the word, the necessity of the word. One of the two things that, that every single believer stands on is, is prayer on one hand, and the other one is the word of God. And the last time I was here, as Pastor mentioned, I shared with you on the topic, the place of prayer. And tonight, this morning, I'm going to share with you about the necessity of the word. Last time I had six points, and this time I have 12 points, and some of you are getting worried, and you know, I'm sure you're going to tell pastor, don't call this guy another time, because he seems to be dealing in the multiples of six, but uh, I will use six, uh, 12 words to describe the necessity of the word of God, and as to how the Bible is not an option in the life of a believer, but the Bible is an absolute necessity. And I will leave it to you to decide for yourselves at the end of it. Number one is salvation. The first word that I would like to use to describe is salvation. How do you know how to get saved? It is because it is when you read the word or somebody preaches from the word, you begin to understand who God is and his love and his pursuit after us and how Jesus came into this world as God incarnate and how he lived and he died and how he rose again. And it's only when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we are saved. Now, let me clarify this. I'm not saying religiously reading the Bible will get you saved. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that it is when we get into the word or hear the word of Christ, that is when we begin to understand who Jesus is, who is the Lord of salvation. It is when we put our trust in him. Accepting the salvic, salvific message of the Bible, we are saved. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 says, you know, Paul is writing to young Timothy and he's saying, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It is the Holy Scriptures that you were introduced from your childhood. That is what made you wise for salvation, Timothy. Timothy is being reminded. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. The Bible says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, So then faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. How did you have the faith to put your trust in Jesus? It's because you heard the word of Christ coming to you. 
I don't know if you've heard this story several years back. I, I, I watched a testimony on the website called More Than Dreams. It's about a man called Khalil. Khalil is from Egypt, and he belonged to a militant group that was preparing to make certain attacks on Christians. And one day, suddenly, the leader of the group came to Khalil specifically, and he said, Khalil, you know, um, there are two ways of fighting against these Christians. One is through a sword, the other one is through a pen, and I want you to change your weaponry now. And he said, you know, I'm going to give you a Bible, and I want you to go through the Bible and find all the contradictions from the Bible, and, be, and, and I'll give you some time so that you can write some tracts and books against the Bible. Initially, Khalil was, you know, very, you know, reluctant about this whole assignment, uh, but then he was convinced that he should take this up for a cause. And so he took the Bible and began to read with the only motive to show the contradictions from the Bible. And as he began to read, he began to encounter the living Christ in the Bible. And uh, very soon he gave his life to Jesus Christ because, you know, this is what I'm talking about. As he encountered the living word, he encountered the living Lord of the word for salvation, number one. For number two is for communication. God is not an impersonal force somewhere out there. He is a personal being who speaks, who communicates. And God's primary mode of communication to human beings is through his word. And that is why the Bible is called the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 again. All scripture is God-breathed. In other words, it's literally out of the mouth of God. It's God's passionate love letter to his children. He's ready to talk to each one of us. All we have to do is to open his word. A lot of times we take that for granted, don't we? Let's say a president of a, of a prime minister of a, or a great king of a nation comes to us and he says, for the next 30 days, at a certain time, I'm going to speak to you. Will we not take that as a privilege? Will we not take that as an honor? Will we not put aside all the things that we consider the most important things of our lives and sit to listen because this king wants to speak to us. But the God of the Bible is not a president. He's president of presidents. He's not just a king. He's the king of the universe who sits as a supreme monarch of this world of this universe and he says I desire to talk to you and I made that possible by giving to you my word and you know about communication if you are in love or in any kind of relationship communication is the key you don't grow without communication you try it 
No relationship grows without communication. And the same thing with God. And some of us, you know, very sincerely desire, I want to grow in my relationship with God. But somehow, there is a communication breakdown. We don't want to listen to him. But here it is. Why do we need the Bible in our lives? What is the necessity for salvation, number one, for two, for communication? Because the Bible is God's way of communicating his truth, his heart to us primarily. Number three is for revelation. To know God is the greatest privilege of a human being. To know God is the greatest purpose of a human being. And if these two uh, statements are true, that is, to know God is the greatest privilege and to know God is the greatest purpose, then that must be the greatest pursuit of our lives. And how can we know God? There are many religions in this world that are trying to reach God. But the truth of the matter is we can never try and reach God and try and know God with our limited minds because we are finite beings and this God is an infinite being. We cannot know him on our own unless and until he reveals himself to us. And the Bible is God's revelation. His word is his revelation. It, the word revelation comes from a Latin word called revelo, which means to unveil. Which means to unveil. The Bible is God's self-disclosure about himself. You know where he has graciously done that for us because all humanity put together with all of our advancements and our intellect, would never reach God on our own, my friends. And that's why God graciously, you know, has made this possible. And he says, listen, I have unveiled myself for you so that you can come and know me and make that the greatest pursuit of your life. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23, one of my favorite verses, because it keeps reminding me. It says, God says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows me and understands me. Because in the economy of God, this is what God looks at and for God this is what matters whether you know him whether you understand him or not there are two levels of knowing God one at the time of salvation and sometimes we think okay that is it because we say I came to know Jesus at a certain certain point in my life and then we think that is the end of it that is the starting point of our relationship of knowing God, my friends. But then uh, that, is, that does not end there. It, we must pursue in our relationship with God. The, 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 the chief 
purpose of this relationship is that we might know him more and more. And that is why Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, this he was writing probably towards the end of his life. And God used him, you know, to write most of the New Testament. But towards the end of his life, he still has this passion. And he says, I want to know Christ. Because he has not given up on this. He encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Where he came to know Jesus. But then he did not stop his pursuit there. In fact, his pursuit began with that encounter. Knowing God, by the way, affects every area of our being, my friends. Knowing God. It affects the way you worship. Because the depth of your worship is dependent on the depth of your knowledge of God. When I say knowledge of God, I don't mean head knowledge, but your experiential knowledge of God. For example, let's say that some man enters into this, into this building. You do not know who that person is. You really will not bother so much. You'll just, you know, greet and say hello, probably. But if you know that this man is probably the president of a nation, suddenly the, everything that you do towards that person changes. Yes or no? And that's what I mean. If you really want to be a worshiper, you don't learn to worship when you go to a worship school. You learn to worship when you know God. The more you know God, the more you recognize his worth, the more you begin to see this God is so infinitely awesome, you will fall on your face and worship this God because he alone is worthy, my friends. It not only affects the way you worship, it affects your faith. There are times we say, God, please help me with my faith, which is a good prayer. But God has also given us an avenue or given us a way where our faith can grow. And that is, the more we know God, the more we will be able to trust that person. For example, if you don't, do not know a person... You will not trust that person. But the deeper you know that person, the deeper your trust will be on that person. So sometimes we struggle with faith and we are saying, I don't know, I'm not able to trust God. My, my trust in Him is so shaky. What you need to check is your understanding and your knowledge of God. Because knowing God changes the way you trust Him. It not only affects that, it also affects your the way you view sin or suffering or things like that. For example, another quick example. If you have read the book of Isaiah from chapter 1 to chapter 5, prophet Isaiah is looking at other people's sin and he's saying, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. 
and he comes to chapter 6, suddenly he sees the holiness of God. He's no longer saying, woe to you. He's saying, woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among unclean people. Because in the light of God's holiness, he begins to see his own sinfulness. And that is where true repentance comes, my friends. If you really want to know how to view sin in your life, begin to have a view of who God is in your life. And what are we talking about? We're talking about the necessity of the word because it's the word of God, which is the revelation of God, shows us who God is. And that's why we need to go to the Word of God. That's why we need to read and study the Word of God. Revelation number four is for information. Somebody uh, told me when I was very young, uh, what is the meaning of the Bible? Somebody said it is basic instruction before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E. Basic instruction before leaving earth. In other words, the Bible is is the manual for human beings which answers human beings' deepest questions. Every human being on the face of the earth is asking at least these four questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? What is the purpose of my life? What is my destiny? Now people try to answer this question, these questions with so many other views. And how you answer these questions will determine how you will live your life. If you believe you're here by chance, then you will live your life in, a, in that way. But if you believe, if you know that your life here on earth is not by chance, it is purposefully created by God because you have a purpose, the God-given purpose in your life, then you will begin your, to live your life differently, my friends. This is your manual. And when you try to live your life without a manual, it's detrimental. You bring in a new product uh, from the market and you say, oh, I know it all, so I don't even have to look at the manual. What is going to happen? You will not know how to use it. Or even if you know how to use it, you will not use it efficiently. And there are times you could even you know, bring a disaster. In other words, you do not know how to use it safely. The Bible is God's manual for your life and my life. And the more we stay away from the Bible, the more our lives will be confused. And there are times people bring disaster upon disaster upon themselves and suddenly they blame God and say, God, you did this to me. But the truth of the matter is, we have been ignorant of the manual. We are either ignorant of the manual or we have been ignoring the instructions of the manual in our life. Number five is for transformation because the Bible not only informs but truly transforms. No books, no techniques can transform a human life but the word of God. There was a young man Um, who was very smart, came to an old preacher and he said, Sir, you keep talking about the Bible and the Bible, uh, you know, what is a big deal about the Bible transforming our lives? Isn't education the key for a person because it is education that 
transforms a person's life. And this old uh, preacher was smarter than that guy. He said, listen, if there is a thief who is stealing nuts and bolts from a railway track, you send him to a university. Once he graduates, he is capable of stealing the train itself. Because you don't, education changes your, the, the quality of your life, but cannot change your heart. Education is good, by the way. But if you send a thief to a university, he'll only come back as, an, as a sophisticated thief. That's all. But the word of God is what transforms us. How does the word of God transforms, transform us? The word of God cleanses us. John chapter 15 verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. John chapter 17 and verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth that can sanctify us. It renews our mind. It cleanses our mind. That is what, you know, transformation comes from, my friends. Because when our thoughts are cleansed, our, our words, you know, it, it shows in our words. And our words slowly result in our actions. And our actions into habits, habits into character. So it is here that the word of God works. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 9, How can a young man keep his ways pure? By keeping it according to the word of God. Not only it cleanses us, it cuts off. The word of God is called the sword. It cuts off every area in our life that is not pleasing to him. Not, so, not only cuts off, it corrects us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that we've been looking at over and over. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is what the word of God does to transform us, my friends. Uh, the four things shows us what is right. That is what teaching is. Shows us what is right. And it gives us reproof, shows us what is wrong. And then it corrects us, it shows us how to turn from wrong to right, and then training in righteousness means it helps us to continue to walk in what is right. The old preacher was preaching, and a man came to him, and he said, what must I do to be transformed? He said, read the Bible. The, this man said, I have read through the Bible several times, and the old preacher, Gypsy Smith, said, let it go through you once. And it will transform you. It's not about how many times you have read this. It's about whether you have allowed the word of God to go through your life. Very quickly, number six, for nutrition. <laughs> for transformation, for nutrition. Just like physical food is needed for your physical body to grow um, and to keep you in good health for your spiritual life, your the, the word of God, which is spiritual food, is absolutely important, my friends. And that's why the word of God is described as food. It is described as bread. It is described as honey. It is described as, as milk. It is described as meat in the Bible. And Jesus was very clear. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is the word of God that sustains us. Have you seen 
on the internet there are times you know some people who are malnutritioned and when you begin to see that you know it breaks your heart doesn't it maybe some of us need to allow god to show us our spiritual life this morning and maybe some of us are severely malnutritioned because we have not been feeding on the word of god for a long long time personally your word the word is your strength that will feed the deepest needs of your soul my friends not only for nutrition but for temptation how many have temptations here everyone as long as you live in this earth you will be faced with different kinds of temptations but to be able to overcome temptation you need to need the word of god and jesus demonstrated that for us when in matthew chapter 4 when he was going through this temptation and every single temptation was countered by the word of god when satan came with one temptation he said it is written and he speaks the word of god the second time the same thing the third time the same thing it it is for us to understand that it is the word of god that is your refuge in the midst of your temptation that's why the psalmist says in psalm 119 i have hid your word in my heart o god that i might not sin against you i have hid your word o god because your word is what helps me not to yield to the temptations that come my way we need the word of god not only to overcome temptation but also for direction number 8 other times in our lives where we feel stuck it almost feels like we are groping in the dark and we are lost and confused we do not know what our next step is maybe there are people here right now and you're thinking you know i really do not know what to do next but psalm 119 verse 105 is a reminder where the psalmist is saying thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and by the way it doesn't say your word is a flood light it's a lamp a flood light will probably show you 500 meters a lamp will only show you the next few steps so that you can depend on the lamp constantly and god wants us to be dependent on him and as we depend on him he promises through his word that i will help you in fact this word psalm 32 verse 8 says i will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go i will counsel you with my loving eye on you why should we be confused and there will be times we will feel like that what we must run to the word and say god in your word you said you will lead me oh god you will guide me oh god and you will help me number 9 is for evaluation james chapter 1 verse 23 the word of god is compared to a mirror 
and we need to keep looking into it. How many of you looked at the mirror this morning? Because we want to see how we look and how our hair is and so on and so forth. The word of God is a mirror that shows us who we are. We cannot depend on our own heart, my friends. Because the Bible says our heart is deceitful. We can deceive ourselves when we are, you know, evaluating all by ourselves. We always tend to think that we are better than the others, don't we? But it is when we come and stand before the mirror of the word of God, God begins to show us, not to condemn us. He shows us and he also shows us Christ so that we can become like him. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, God shows through his word even the deepest motives of our heart. We can do a lot of actions and things. People discern us according to our actions, but God actually looks into the deepest motives behind those actions. Number 10 is for consolation. I don't know about here, but in India, there used to be consolation prizes. When you don't get any prize, just to keep the kid happy, they would say, okay, we have consolation prizes, a comfort kind of prize. Now, Christian life is not an easy life. We all know that. It's not a bed of roses. There are times where we go through difficulties, but the word of God is full of promises. And the promises of God help us to see through those difficult times. When you feel like you cannot face another day, the word of God speaks to us through his, God speaks to us through his promises. And he says, listen, I am there with you. I will help you. I will lead you. I will guide you. When you think you are all alone, he comes and he says, listen, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't know about you for, you know, in the last couple of years, I went through a very, very difficult time in my life. My, my wife and children were here. I was in India. They were not able to come to India. I was not able to come here because of visa and immigration issues. And there were times, you know, I didn't have the strength to see the next day. And then I had to go and preach. I didn't have strength for my own self, but it's the word of God that lifted me and made me stand. The word of God can do that to your life and my life. That is why the psalmist says in Psalm 94 and verse 19, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation or comfort brought me joy. Last two things and we will close. Number 11 is rejuvenation. Great revivals in scripture and in history broke out because people returned to the word of God. You remember the time in the, in the life of Israel. They went away from God. They were living in idolatry. There was a king called Josiah who was a young king. And during the time of his reign, Something very unfortunate or, you know, something very uh, ironic happened. That was the word of God was found in the temple of God. In other words, the word of God was lost in the temple of God. Can you 
believe that? And as they were making some renovation, they found the word of God. And they got it to the king, and the king said, start reading it. And as they were reading it, people repented, and there was a great revival. You find that in, during Josiah's time, you find that in Ezra's time, and you know, the graphic picture of that is seen in Ezekiel chapter 37, where Ezekiel is given a vision of these dry, uh, a valley of dry bones that are there, and you know what God asked Ezekiel to do? He says, son of man, speak the word. He was to prophesy not whatever he wanted, but the word. And the dead bones came back to life. Are you feeling dry in your spiritual life? You feel like, okay, I used to walk with God, but now, you know, I feel that. I'm going through the motions, but then I feel so dry on the inside. My friends, the only way is to get yourself exposed to the word of God to be revived. The psalmist in Psalm 119 verse 25 says, my, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. The final thing is this for foundation. For foundation. In 1992, in the state of Florida, there was a hurricane by the name Andrew. And that was... A devastating hurricane that swept everything, destroyed everything that came in its path. And after the hurricane was over, you know, they found that in the midst of all the rubble and the debris, there was one house that was standing, a lonely house. And the people were interested, curious. They went to the owner of the house and said, Everything else is gone. How is it that your house is standing? And this is what the owner of the house said. I built it according to the Florida State Building Code. They said that a house built according to the code could withstand a hurricane. I did, and it did. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Jesus talks about two builders. One is a foolish builder, one is a wise builder. One builds his house on the rock, the other one builds his house on the sand. The storms of life came, one stood, one came down crashing because it was not built on the rock. Make this the foundation of your life because there will be storms that will be inevitable to everyone as long as we are here on this earth at some point. But what determines whether our house is going to stand or fall is where you base your life on. Shall we close our eyes, look to God in prayer? I'll ask the worship team to quickly come and sing the song for us. But I want you to think about the word. I know I've just hurried through, but the areas that God has spoken Will you respond to God and say, God, I want to build my life on your word. Lord, your word is absolutely necessary for me. I cannot do without your word. 
Now let me commit myself to your word from here on, O God. I'll make your word the priority of my life every single day for every need of my life. Help me. Lord, this is our prayer this morning. Lord, we pray that we will not just be hearers of your word like the foolish builder, but we will be wise who will hear your word and do it and make our lives, make your word the foundation of our lives. Help us, O oh Lord. Help us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.